Do the letters P-B-W-M-G-I-F-W-M-Y mean anything to you? (laughs) If you were alive during the 1970s, how many of you were alive during the 70s? Raise your hand. Okay, look around. These are all the old people. You maybe saw that on a button, those letters, P-B-P-W-M-G-I-F-W-M-Y. Anybody know what it said, what it stood for? stood for this, please be patient with me. God isn't finished with me yet. And so if you wore that little pin on your coat or your shirt, it was an opportunity for you to share the gospel. That God isn't finished with me yet. That Jesus has saved me, but He is conforming me to the image of His Son. God loves us just the way we are. We come to Him just as we are, right? Just as I am, without one plea. But it doesn't end there. God loves us too much to let us stay that way, right? So He's in that process. We call that sanctification. The process of changing us, making us more like Jesus. God isn't finished with us yet. We see a wonderful example of that in the life of Jacob. Last Sunday we saw Jacob's ladder where we had the angels of God ascending and descending and the Lord standing at the top of the ladder. Today we come to chapter 29 and our text covers a few verses. I'm just going to read a few of them starting in chapter 29. Beginning at verse 1, and we read then in Jesus' name. Then Jacob went on his journey and came to the land of the sons of the east. He looked and saw a well in the field, and behold, three flocks of sheep were lying there beside it. For from that well they watered the flocks. Now the stone on the mouth of the well was large. When all the flocks were gathered there, they would then roll the stone from the mouth of the well and water the sheep and put the stone back in its place on the mouth of the well. Jacob said to them, My brothers, where are you from? And they said, We are from Haran. He said to them, Do you know Laban, the son of Nahor? And they said, We know him. And he said to them, Is it well with him? And they said, It is well. And here is Rachel, his daughter, coming with the sheep. He said, Behold, it is still high day. It is not time for the livestock to be gathered. Water the sheep and go and pasture them. But they said, We cannot until all the flocks are gathered and they roll the stone from the mouth of the well. Then we water the sheep. While he was still speaking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. When Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, Jacob went up and rolled the stone from the mouth of the well and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted his voice and wept. Jacob told Rachel that he was a relative of her father and that he was Rebekah's son, and she ran and told her father. So when Laban heard the news of Jacob, his sister's son, he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. That he related to Laban all these things. Laban said to him, Surely you are my bone and my flesh. And he stayed with him a month. 
Then Laban said to Jacob, Because you are my relative, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me what shall your wages be? Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah. The name of the younger was Rachel. And Leah's eyes were weak, but Rachel was beautiful of form and face. Now Jacob loved Rachel. So he said, I will serve you seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban says, it's better that I give her to you than to give her to another man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel. And they seemed to him but a few days because of his love for her. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you and thank you for the work that you did for us on the cross, that finished work. Thank you for saving us by your grace, but thank you also, God, that you are not finished with us yet. You are working in us that which is pleasing in your sight. You are conforming us to the image of your Son. Lord, thank you for that work in our lives today. So teach us, we pray, as we open the pages of your word, in Jesus' name, amen. After the dream that Jacob had in the previous chapter, you get the sense that he's a little bit excited about the future. Because God had told him in that vision that he would be with him wherever he went. He would bring him back to this place. And if you look at the first verse of our text, it's kind of an interesting phrase. It says that when Jacob went on his journey, that phrase literally translated as he lifted up his feet. And, and one commentator says that you get the impression that Jacob had a jump in his step. <laughs> Excited about the future. Lord, if you're going to be with me wherever I go, if you're going to bring me back to this place, let's go. (laughs) Like a jump in his step. If you look at what happened when Jacob got to the land of the east, it's almost a repetition of what had happened. Remember when Abraham's servant went to get a bride for Isaac? And how he comes to this well... And the first person that he meets, Rebecca, ends up being the wife of Isaac. So here comes Jacob now, and I'm sure he heard the story many times. How did you meet mom and dad? Well, let me tell you. And there was the story. So he now comes to this place, maybe even the very same well. And he meets this woman, Rachel, his cousin, and that's the one that he ends up marrying. So it looked, it looked pretty good. And in fact, he gives Rachel a kiss. He must have been kind of a forward man. huh? And then she goes and she talks to dad and says, Hey, you know, there's, there's a relative here. He comes, Laban comes, Rachel's father. And then he kisses Jacob. Everybody weren't weren't Scandinavians because you don't do that for a long, long, long time. And then he says to Jacob, surely you are my bone and my flesh. So Jacob is probably excited now. (laughs) 
I come right to the very place that I should be. Here is this lovely girl, beautiful woman. Dad must like me. How could things have gone better? However, Jacob was in store for something that wasn't going to be very easy at all. Uncle Laban was not an easy man to deal with. And he became father-in-law Laban, and he wasn't easy to deal with. So God wasn't done with Jacob yet. That's the lesson we learn in this whole section, that God still had some shaping to do, some molding to do, some chipping to do, some sanding to do in his life. And he did it through his uncle, father-in-law Laban. Now, I got a couple of my sons-in-laws here. Now, don't get, don't get scared, okay? <laughs> I love you just the way you are. But I love you too much to let you stay that way. Okay. So how did God mold Jacob into the man that God had called him to be? Three lessons. First of all, God reveals to Jacob the anger that deception brings. Remember the story of Jacob's life? He was a master at deception. He was known as the deceiver. It started pretty young in his life with his brother Esau. And he comes then to his father Isaac. His father Isaac is old. He's just about blind and he deceives him, saying that he was Esau instead of Jacob. And Isaac was clearly not happy with him. And Esau, the one who was deceived, was so angry that he wanted to kill Jacob. So Jacob's deception literally tore his family apart. So God needed to teach Jacob to turn away from that kind of living where you are, you know, deceiving to get what you want. And so he did it through, through Laban. Verse 15, we find Laban offering Jacob some wages. He had been there a month, and he said, you know, it's about time we pay you. It's because you're my relative, you shouldn't work for nothing. So he says, tell, tell me your wages. What do, you, what, what do you want to get paid? Some of you Bible school students are going to be looking for a job this week, right? How many bosses do you think will say to you, tell me your wages, huh? Whatever it is. Probably won't happen, but it happened here to Jacob. So he says, well, I kind of like your daughter, Rachel. He had two daughters. Leah was the older one. Rachel was the younger one. And we're told that Rachel was beautiful of form and face. She was good looking. And Jacob said, you know what? That's the woman I want. I want to marry her. Laban says, well, it's better that I give her to you than to give her to another man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel. And they seemed to him but a few days because of his love for her. Isn't that amazing? Seven years. I didn't get seven years from any of my sons-in-law. Seven years. But it seemed like such a short time because of his love for Rachel. So things looked good at first. But verse 21 tells us there was some signs of trouble. Because at the end of seven years, then Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife. 
for my time is completed. It's kind of like Laban was maybe not so sure he wanted to give Rachel. He was kind of holding back. Uh, one, uh, one commentator says that, that Jacob's demand to Laban strongly suggests that Laban was holding out on Jacob. He didn't say, please give me. He said, give me, which this author says is the language of, of grievance. Okay, I've worked seven years. Why haven't you given me Rachel to be my wife? So Laban responds by having a wedding feast. And you know the story. Instead of giving Rachel to be his wife, he gives Leah instead. And Jacob gets up in the morning and he realizes, this ain't Rachel laying by me, this is Leah. And he is obviously upset, but he was put in a position now where he began to understand what it is like to be deceived. He was the deceiver. He was on the giving end of deception. And now he's on the receiving end of deception. And he realizes it's not a fun thing to be deceived. It's obvious that God is teaching Jacob the pain of deception because there are so many parallels between what he had done to Isaac and what Laban had done to him. Think of it. In both cases, the deception involved two siblings, Jacob and Esau, and now here, Rachel and Leah. In both cases, a parent instigated the deception. In both cases, a sibling was a willing accomplice. So what seemed to be a wonderful beginning for Jacob ended up becoming a very strained relationship with Laban. And Jacob began to learn the lesson, the very hard lesson, that we reap what we sow. Jacob was on the giving end of deception with Isaac. Now he's on the receiving end of deception with Laban. And it wasn't fun at all. One of the ways that God sometimes molds us is that He shows us the consequences of our sin by causing us to experience sometimes what we've done to hurt others. Have you had that experience before? (laughs) Where you had done something to hurt another person and then God allowed that same experience to be yours. I remember years ago we were playing some uh, hockey in the park and there was some little kids there, little peewee kids skating and there was a high school kid. He stole a puck from these little kids all the time and they were getting frustrated. And here us, we were watching that. So we said, okay, this high school kid, he needs to be taught a lesson. And so we double-teamed him, and we took the puck from him every time he got the puck, and he went and quit. He didn't like it. And so sometimes God molds us in that way. That's what Jacob was experiencing here. God was not done with him yet. He needed to break him from this whole way of living, this deceptive way of living. God loved him just the way he was, but he loved Jacob too much to let him stay that way. So God reveals to Jacob the pain that deception brings. And then secondly, God reveals to Jacob the pain that division brings. When Jacob left home in order to find a wife in Haran, he left division in his wake. started with his parents. He teamed up with his mother against his father, Isaac. 
And that certainly couldn't help a relationship, a marriage relationship. If you're teaming up with one of your kids against your mate, division there. And even more troublesome was what he had done to his brother Esau. He drove such a deep wedge between him and his brother that he had to flee for his life. Esau was so angry. He was waiting for Isaac to die. And then his plan was to kill his brother. Well, Jacob's marriage relationship taught him something about division among siblings because Jacob ended up marrying two sisters. Now, sometimes people have a question about polygamy. You know, did God allow polygamy? Did he put his blessing on polygamy in the Old Testament? Let me just say two things. Number one, from the beginning, that was never God's plan. God's plan was One man, one woman for life. Okay? And then, secondly, when you violate God's plan, such as Jacob did, you will pay a price for it in one way or another. Whenever you violate the principles of God's Word, there will be consequences. And for Jacob, there certainly was. His home life was a mess. An absolute mess. You watch some of those, uh, what do they call them, soap operas? Are there still soap operas on TV? I remember when I was a kid, it was like General Hospital and the, the World Turns or something like that. What a mess. Well, that, that's kind of like what we see here. Jacob's home life was, was really a mess. So here you have Leah. She desperately wants... Jacob to love her and she has four sons right in a row and with each of those sons she names them in a way that suggests now maybe he'll love me I've given him one son, two sons, three sons, four sons now maybe he'll love me and of course Jacob loved Rachel and not Leah and so Rachel's watching all of this In chapter 30, she comes to to Jacob and says, Give me children or I die. And Jacob says, I can't give you children. He says, This is the Lord's doing. I can't do this. And so she says, Well, here's my maid, Bilhah. Have a child through her. And so he does and ends up with two children through the maidservant. And Rachel in verse 7 and 8 of chapter 30 says this, It says, Rachel's maid Bilhah conceived again, bore Jacob a second son. So Rachel Rachel said, with mighty wrestlings, I have wrestled with my sister and I have indeed prevailed. So you see what was going on between these two sisters? There was a wrestling match. There was competition there. And so Jacob is watching this. And what do you suppose is going through his mind as he sees these two sisters battling each other? I can't help but think that the Lord was saying to Jacob, take a look at this, Jacob. See these two siblings? That's you and Esau. You were just like that. No, no unity in your family. Divided against your your, your brother. Dividing your parents. Jacob, this is not the way you live. And God was showing him then in his own family, kind of a mirror image of the family that he grew up in. And God was seeking to teach him then 
the pain that division brings. God loved him just the way he was, but God loved him too much to let him stay that way. He was teaching him through this very difficult experience. But then there's another lesson we learn here. At the same time that God is molding us into what He wants us to be, He is also fulfilling His promises. And sometimes God fulfills His promises in circumstances that seem very messy. (laughs) Think of it. God reveals to Jacob the hope that His promise brings. That's the third lesson. God reveals to Jacob the hope that his promise brings. When Jacob first met Rachel and Laban, he probably thought he would marry Rachel and they'd raise a family and they'd be happy ever after. But he ends up being deceived. He works seven years for Rachel. Gets Leah, works another seven years. And yet God worked in the midst of this situation to fulfill his plan. In chapter 28, verse 14, God said to Jacob that his descendants would be like the dust of the earth. And it was in this messy situation that it all started. And besides that, the names of the sons that were given to Leah, names like Levi, Moses and Aaron were descendants of Levi. A name like Judah. Recognize that name? David was of the tribe of Judah. Jesus was the lion from the tribe of Judah. Judah was born to Leah. So sometimes God works in very mysterious ways His wonders to perform, as the hymn writer says. He can take people who are far from perfect and use them for His glory. That's the lesson we learn over and over throughout the Old Testament. You look at the lives of of Moses. You look at Jacob. You look at David. You look at these men whom God used, they were far from perfect, weren't they? But God called them, God took them, God shaped them, God molded them, and through them, He accomplished His purpose. Now, I don't know what you see as you look at your life today. Maybe you feel like Jacob. Maybe you feel like your life hasn't turned out the way you thought it would. Things have happened in your life that you never dreamed would have happened. Challenges have come your way that you thought you'd never face. And you may even feel like you've made a mess out of your life. And there's no way that God can can take your life and, and use you. Well, I've got news for you. And it is good news. Even though we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, even though we've made a mess out of many situations, God can still use us. God can take the broken pieces of our lives and make us new. 
In 2 Corinthians 5.17, here's His promise. If anyone is in Christ, He is a what? A new creature. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. Bill Grather has written the little song, Something Beautiful. Listen to the words of this. If there ever were dreams that were lofty and noble, they were my dreams at the start. And the hope for life's best were the hopes that I harbored down deep in my heart. But my dreams turned to ashes and my castles all crumbled. My fortune turned to loss. So I wrapped it all in the rags of my life and I laid it at the cross. Something beautiful, something good. All my confusion he understood. All I had to offer him was brokenness and strife. But he made something beautiful of my life. That could be the song of Jacob. Brokenness and strife. Division and deception. Difficulties, but God brought him through that. And when we come to the end of the story of Jacob, you can see that God had done a a really a wonderful work of transformation in his life. He wasn't perfect. But that process of sanctification, of becoming more like Jesus, is clearly seen in the life of Jacob. And that can be seen in our lives too. God loves you just the way you are. There's nothing you can do to make Him love you more. Just as I am, the hymn writer says, I come. But when you come to know Jesus, there is a process of change that He will bring in your life to conform you to the image of His Son. It's a joyful journey, but it can be a painful journey as well. But it's a wonderful journey when we see God working and making us more like Jesus. Please be patient with me. God is not finished with me yet. Is that your testimony today? The good work that He has begun in you, Paul says, He will perfect, complete, until the day that Jesus comes again. Something beautiful, something good. All my confusion He understood. All I had to offer Him was brokenness and strife, but He made something beautiful of my life. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank You for the work that You did in the life of Jacob, a challenging thing for him, a very difficult experience. But Lord, You worked in him. You taught him. You didn't abandon him. Lord, You continued to conform him to the image of your Son. Lord, do that work in our midst today. May you be honored and glorified, Lord, through all that we do. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.